Good morning. Once again, I'm Pastor Lars Hammer here from Lord of Grace and welcome everyone who's watching us online. Today, I'm going to continue the sermon series on finding grace. That's what I've been calling it, where we take another look at what is grace. Uh, how do we find it? How do we experience it? Why is it often a difficult thing for us to do? Uh, and yet, this is such a central part of Jesus's message. I mean, it's in our, it's in our name, right? Jesus is the Lord of grace. Uh, so, just to unpack a little bit, uh, and just to begin, when we talk about grace, when we talk about grace, I think we often, uh, we look to the cross. And we look to the cross and we say, look at Jesus on the cross, uh, look at what he did for us, look at how he suffered for us, look at what he gave for us, look at this wonderful offering that he did, and we didn't even deserve it. We are just sinners. We did not deserve this. Uh, what an act of grace. And I would say that's absolutely correct. That, that is totally what grace is. Uh, and it's all right and that's all true. Especially that last part about how we do not deserve it. About how grace is something that we did not earn and that by rights we probably shouldn't have. Uh, that's grace. If you had to give a a definition of it. One definition might be, it's a love that we don't deserve. And we like the idea, I think we like the idea of God doing this for us. Uh, we like the idea of God giving us grace. We like to think that we have been forgiven even though we didn't deserve it. But then Jesus comes around and he sits down and he talks to his disciples and he talks to the crowds around him and he says, okay, now I want you guys to do the same for each other that I'm doing for you. Uh, I want you to love each other. I want you to forgive each other. I want you to give each other second chances. I want you to not condemn and not judge. And he goes on and on. And when he does and he says that, we kind of go, okay, yeah, Jesus, that's nice, but... And then immediately in our minds, we think of someone who we think doesn't deserve it. We'll say like, well, yeah, Jesus, that's nice, but what about that guy? You know that guy, don't you? That guy, that guy broke into the liquor store, the same liquor store, family business. Guy's just trying to, just, just trying to feed his family and, they, and this other one, he just keeps breaking into it over and over. Do you know he broke into that thing 17 times, stealing stuff? And every time he goes into jail and he does a little bit of time and then they let him out. And he gets out and you can count the days and he'll be back breaking in again. And every time they haul him in he just sits there and he's got this smarmy look on his face and he's all smug. He doesn't care. He doesn't show the slightest bit of remorse. I know I'm supposed to give grace but man he doesn't seem to deserve it. He doesn't deserve another chance. He's been given 17 chances. Lock him up. And as far as the law goes, I would say that's right. You know, some people don't want to change, and, they're all, and they keep committing their crimes over and over, and for public safety, you need to remove them from the street. That's the law, but that's not grace. If it's about what you deserve or not, then it's, then it's the law. But grace would say, grace would say that that guy 
that thief who won't stop, the one with the attitude in the mouth, with the chip on his shoulder, who doesn't seem to show any caring for anybody but himself, the one who thinks the world owes him. Grace says he's a child of God, every bit as deserving of love as I am. And he's every bit as in need of God's love as I am. Now, you may have to love that guy through a prison window, but Grace would say that in the eyes of God, he is no worse than me. And so Grace, Grace is not law. It's very different. And some people, admittedly, are very hard to love. You know, especially the ones with attitude, especially the ones who don't look like they care, especially the ones who don't show remorse when they get caught. But then, you know, we compare it to that friend of ours. You know, the nice friend, the good guy who always helps you out. Normally, he always helps you out, right? I mean, he even, even lets you use his truck to move. He uh, uh, pulled you out of the ditch when you got stuck. He picked up the beer tab at Boston's. He's a good guy. Billy's a good guy. And then he fell into some hard times and he took a few little bit of money out of the cash register. But you know, he's a good guy. He screwed up. But we can forgive, right? He's just trying to do the best he can. He had a bad moment. Now, why do we say that of him but not the other guy? Because it's not grace. It's like a niceness credit. Right? You act nice long enough, and it's like you're building up points. So when you do, when you do good things, you, you get points. You know, you, you help them move, and, and you got a friend out of the ditch, and, and you know, you came over, and oh, all, all those good things, and those earn your credit. And then every time you do something bad, it's like it deducts from that. And so you get a certain number of good credits, and you want more of those than bad credits. Our spiritual lives don't work that way. That we're not on a credit system where you bank good things to offset the bad things and hope that by the time you die, you end up in the black. There's this fairy tale, this sort of folk fairy tale uh, I've, I remember. Maybe it was one of my kids' books. Uh, something like this. Uh, there's two squirrels, is how it goes. There's two squirrels. And it's summer, and one squirrel uh, spends his whole summer working. All he does is he gathers every darn acorn he can, sun up to sun down, till he's exhausted. And he's got this hole in the ground. It's, it's a bunker. It is stashed and stashed with food. And all he does is work and build up his stash. On the other hand, there's another squirrel. And the other squirrel, he spends his summer living it up. He eats acorns as he goes. He spends his time hanging out and partying while he watches the other guy work. He doesn't have anything banked up or saved. He's just, he's just living the good life, man. He, he, he was on that tire swing. You know, the tire swing that goes over the watering hole that you jump off of and every, all your buddies cheer? Yeah, that's that guy. And so he spends his whole summer living it up. He's barely got any acorns, and when, the, and when people ask him about it, he goes, eh, work is for chumps. And then winter comes. Of course, winter comes, like it always does. And now suddenly the acorns are gone, and he's hungry. 
and it's cold outside, and there's snow. And so what does he do? He turns to the other squirrel, the hardworking squirrel, and he asks for some acorns. Can you, hey bud, can you spare me some acorns? Well, what do you do? Now, I don't remember how the story ended. I, I really don't. Uh, I don't think that prepper squirrel kicked the other one out and made him freeze and starve, and that's how the children's book ended. I, I'm pretty certain of that. But I honestly don't remember the ending. But I've had this conversation, some version of this conversation, so many times with so many people. What is the Christian response when this happens? What should our response be when someone comes to us who was not saving and working and planning and investing and preparing, but spent their, spent their uh, good time, spent their time living the high life, and then the bottom falls out and they're not prepared, and then they come running for help. What do you do? What should a Christian do in that moment? Do we just say, well, man, you didn't plan, so good luck, you're on your own. Have fun begging, that'll teach you a lesson. Do we gloat? Do we lord it over them? And sit there and say, ah, who's the fuddy-duddy nerd now? Who's the loser not having any fun now? How does it feel, Mr. Tire Swing? Nah, 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 nah. Is that what we do? Do we watch him freeze and die? Hope that he does it public so everyone sees, so it'll, it'll be a lesson to everybody who wants to follow in his party-hardy ways. Teach him a lesson about savings and frugality. Or do we go part way? Do we meet him part way and tell him, okay, okay, Mr. Tire Squirrel, I'll give you just enough acorns to get by so you won't starve to death. Just enough acorns, but you gotta work your little butt off for them. And I'm gonna pay you, I'm gonna work you as hard as I possibly can in the most demeaning, awful job I can, so you'll be as miserable as I can make you, so you'll learn your lesson. But I'm not letting you starve, so therefore I'm not really a meanie. So you can sit and scrub the toilets and, and rake the yard and read the CCNRs about trash can regulations. The whole make them learn a lesson thing, it really works on the assumption that when people are in need, you will let them suffer and die, or you will humiliate and demean them. Otherwise, the theory goes, they won't learn their lesson and they'll go back to their old ways and you'll be the sucker for feeding them and doing all the hard work. You'll be like the guy on the group project. You know, you all remember the group project, right? You had in school. You know, one or two of you really cared about your grades. One or two of you really could care less whether they passed. So the ones who didn't care less didn't show up and do anything because they knew you were going to do it because you weren't going to let your grade go bad. So they just figure, eh, work is for chumps. I, I can't help but think in all of this of the prodigal son, you know, the one who went out and he blew his inheritance on parties and living at large and he comes home and he comes to his dad and even says, I'm willing to do the demeaning work. I'm willing to do it. And the dad instead, what does he do? Throws him a party. 
And it was so unfair, right? Totally unfair, but that's grace. He didn't deserve it, but he was showered with love and family and community. Anyways, that's grace. It's unfair, it's unjust, it's undeserved. And I'm glad that God treats me that way instead of giving me what I deserve. So all Jesus asks is that we extend that grace to those around us, knowing that when we do, some people will call us suckers and naive and stupid, and some people will tell us we're getting played, and it hurts the ego, but it is giving undeserved love. And so translating all this into reality isn't easy. I may love that person who refuses to work, but you know, I, I, I know what you're saying. It, it isn't really reasonable to personally bankroll their habits and their addictions. I may love the person who steals, but am I really supposed to give them the keys to the store? I may love my friend who parties and never saves money, but you know, I'm not gonna promote him to VP if he doesn't meet his sales quotas. There are times when we have to have some law and some consequences for everybody's safety. And they have to be enforced, even when we love the person. And society needs those laws, and Jesus never said to get rid of all laws. But his teachings are to his disciples and his followers for what they, i.e. we, are supposed to do. The, Jesus doesn't set up a law manual or a constitution. And for us, his followers, the teaching is that we are to give grace. We are to be the loving, forgiving, giving ones. I look at this passage in Matthew. This is our gospel lesson for today. Uh, and in it, Jesus talks about the end of times, which I know is everybody's favorite subject. And there's this, this weeding that goes on at the end. And, some, and, and some, go, some are welcomed in and some are cast out. And it's all based on a few questions about what you did in your life. So here we go. Matthew 25, verses 34 to 36. He says, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Now, this is not a long list, but it is kind of an interesting one. Hungry, thirsty, sick, naked, and prison. Interesting list, because what pops out to me when I read this is that these are all categories of people that we usually try to avoid. These are all people in direct need, and they're in need of things for their personal survival. You know, and these are not frivolous. It isn't, you know, it's not my gaming controlling, my gaming controller was broken and you loaned me yours. 
You know, it isn't my nine iron got bent and so you gave me a new one. This is food, water, clothing, prison. And the first three we tend to have sympathy for, even though we may try to avoid the people who are getting in our face begging for those things, but we might still have a little bit of sympathy for them because we might say to ourselves, you know, maybe they were working hard and doing their best and they fell on hard times. Could be, it happens, right? It's happening to millions of people right now. But prison, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure they deserve it. They deserve some hardship, I think. You know, they deserve some loneliness. They need to sit there in their cell and ponder their bad deeds. But it's what we do for the people who need it most, whether or not they deserve it, that is the measure of judgment. And you go, ouch. Because there's no morality or lifestyle test to giving. Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, I, 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 he doesn't ask, if we gave to the people who worked really hard and were responsible and then lost their money through unexpected circumstances and were hungry and thirsty and did you give the did you give uh, food and water to the hard-working deserving responsible people who were hungry and thirsty he doesn't ask did you give clothing to the person who went to school and worked two jobs and was clean and sober and then got into some sort of tragedy and and got and, and needed clothes he doesn't ask that. He doesn't ask if you visited the prisoners who were falsely imprisoned through a bad lawyer or false witnesses. There's no test for grace. All it is is, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was in prison and you visited me. There is no test for grace. There's just love and giving. And that's the beauty of it, but it's also the struggle of it. And it's really left, it's really left to the state to decide on punishments. It's left to God to decide on judgments. And it's left for us to do the loving and the giving regardless of whether anyone deserves it or not. Because that is the essence of grace. It is a love that we do not deserve but that God gives us anyways. Amen.